All right, well, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. Now, a handful of you know that I preached this message three or four months ago. Um, I had to do it for a class. I had four of y'all show up on a Sunday night for me because I needed to preach it in front of a group. And, uh, and so I do appreciate y'all that did come. I was not planning on using this same text. I was planning on being an ax. But with all that's been going on lately, uh, Psalm 34 is a psalm that I rest in in times of discouragement, in times of struggle, um, in times of disappointment or just hardship, suffering. Psalm 34 is a good reminder for us that there is encouragement in Christ. So the title of my sermon this morning is Taste and See, uh, Psalm 34. So Psalm 34, if you're there, say word. All right, if you'll stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Y'all need some encouragement this morning. Psalm 34. Of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions, they suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and, and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray. Father God, we need encouragement this morning, so we pray that you would use your word to do that. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I was growing up, coming home from school, um, you know, we didn't have, when I was a kid, we didn't have smartphones and tablets and all the technology that we got when 
the video games that I played had cords on the controllers and had to be plugged in. And, and uh, But when I came home from school, one of the highlights of my afternoon of coming home was hitting some of my favorite TV shows. You know, it depends on the day. You know, when I was a kid, I was a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers guy. I loved it. I watch it now, and I'm like, what was in my mind? What was I thinking watching that? Um, but one of the shows that I, I actually enjoyed watching was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, some of you probably know that show, right? And now, it's no longer on the air. But growing up, y'all probably watched it. You probably watched it with your kids, maybe. But Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he would come in, and he would sing the song, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Y'all remember that song. Some days especially nowadays, those are hard words to say and sing. Can be. You don't hear a lot of people singing songs like that much anymore. David here in Psalm 34, this is who wrote the psalm, David. He is not having a good day. He's not. In 1 Samuel 21, we get kind of the history of why he's not having a good day. He is Fleeing from King Achish from Gath. That's a weird name, and I'm probably saying it wrong, but King Achish. And, and here we see in uh, the, the, the subtitle of Psalm 34, before Abimelech, that is who King Achish is. But we have to understand the context of what's happening with David. See, in 1 Samuel 21, David is already fleeing from somebody else. He's fleeing from King Saul. King Saul wants David dead because the people would prefer David over Saul. And Saul knows that David is going to take his place one day. So Saul wants him dead. And so David flees. He comes to Ahimelech, not Abimelech, Ahimelech. The priest, and he's asking for a weapon. Okay? David's running from Saul. He needs a weapon. He's got nothing on him. The priest looks at him and tells him that there's only one weapon here it is the sword of Goliath, who you killed. And so he takes the sword of Goliath and he flees to Gath, which, if you don't know, is where Goliath is from. David is running to the city to find refuge, the city of their prized champion, Goliath, whom David killed, and David's carrying the sword of Goliath with him. Well, as he goes to the city, he stands before the gate. The king comes out, and David realizes what's happening. He knows that he's about to be captured and put in captivity. So David, as it says in the In the subtitle of Psalm 34, he changes his behavior before Abimelech, before King Achish. David acts crazy. Starts drooling from the mouth. My dad, when I was growing up in high school, I'm I'm a big teddy bear. I've never been in a fight. Um, Well, I was in one fight, and I never got a punch in. But I heard you laugh. Um, But my freshman year of high school, I'm a big guy. All right. I'm a big guy. I've always been a big guy, but I'm a pushover. I am. Um, I had a guy in my PE class who would pick on me all the time. By the time we graduated high school, he actually became a friend. That's how that works out. 
my bully in middle school actually ended up proposing to me. She was, nobody got that. My bully in middle school was a girl. Um, anyways, but freshman year, I told, I went to my dad, dad, I've got this guy in my PE class. He's picking on me. He won't leave me alone. He keeps hitting me. He keeps pinching me. What do I do? My dad, the most <laughs> wise man in my life, son, the next time he does it, start beating your head, beating your chest and start screaming. Just act crazy in front of him. My mom's like, Jesse, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> You'll really get beat up. Don't do that. David going crazy, changing his behavior. He's acting crazy. And so now David runs from King Achish. And now, so now he's got King Saul after him and he's got King Achish after him. David goes and hides in a cave. And more than likely, this is where Psalm 34 was written as he's hiding in a cave from two kings who are trying to kill him. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. A psalm of thanksgiving of God's protection and care. And David is expressing his love and trust in God while he's hiding in this cave. You may be here this morning, maybe like me, and you're discouraged. Maybe you're uncertain about the future. Maybe you're tired of seeing the news the way that it's going. Maybe you're tired of the way life is right now. I know I've been like this. I, I'm, I'm being transparent with you. I've been discouraged. It's been hard. Pastoring in a pandemic has been the hardest thing of my life. I've never lost as, as, as much sleep and I've never lost as much hair as I have through pastoring in a pandemic. My wife is getting on to me about me losing my hair and it's not been good in our house. But this psalm provides encouragement. Whether you're going through a trial, whether you're dealing with sin, whether you're dealing with discouragement, whether you're just needing to be reminded of the fact that God is sovereign, good, and faithful, this psalm does that. So here's the main idea for this morning's message. Even when days are bad, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Even when days are bad, taste and see that the Lord is good. We've all had bad days, but I'm pretty sure we have not had a day where we're hiding in a cave because two kings are trying to kill us. We've probably never had that kind of a day. But you've probably had days in your life where you've dealt with that type of pressure or maybe even more. And it's, and it's just been hard. You know those days. You even probably have lived through those days. And you're just like, I don't even want to revisit it. But even when days are bad, taste and see that the Lord is good. So I've got six ways through Psalm 34 that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. So here's number one. We can taste and see that the Lord is good because, number one, He is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. I will bless the Lord at all times. David writes that. That's the first thing he writes. Hiding in a cave, two men trying to kill. And, and listen, when I say y'all think it's just two men, it's two men and their armies trying to kill one guy. But David writes in, in the cave, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
at all times. Not, not just when things are good. Not just when my bills are paid. Not just when I've got money in the bank. Not when my health is, not just when my health is good, but even when times are bad. I will bless the Lord at all times. First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Our worship of God is not based on our circumstances, but on his goodness. Leto drives me crazy. I've told you all this a few times. Leto drives me crazy. I, Leto, how are you doing? Better than I d- deserve. Like, man, just one day, just like, just be transparent. Just tell me how you're really doing. He's like, I am. I'm better than I deserve. I'm like, your optimism drives me crazy. But that's how we should feel. Because today, today, at this moment, no matter what circumstance you're in, you are still better than you deserve. You are. Why? Because we deserve the very depths of hell. We deserve, because of our sin, to be struck dead at this moment. We don't even deserve to be living right now. But because of God's goodness and His grace, we're alive. We're walking, we're breathing, we're talking, we're with people. We have another day where we can live and glorify God. And through that, we see that He is worthy of our worship. See, when we have bad times, when we have bad days, we blame God. We can, and we have. God, why are you allowing this? God, why is this happening to me? We, we blame God. And when we do blame God, we lack worship of God. We need to remind ourselves that we are undeserving of God and His grace because of our sin. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Typically in bad days, our mouths are filled with complaints or woe is me. But David says his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be Glad We can endure and overcome our trials because God gives us the grace to endure them. That's what Philippians 4.13 is about. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about winning touchdowns or it's not about getting a good job. It's about enduring the hardships of life. That we can get through it because of the strength that Christ provides. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. If we are reminded of these things, we are to magnify God. This is an invitation by David to worship this God that is worthy of our worship. When when days are bad, when trials get hard, when suffering hurts, do we find ourselves on our knees still worshiping the one who's given us life? But not just life to live, eternal life to have. He's worthy of our worship. Worthy of it. You may feel like you are alone, like David in a cave, 
fleeing for your life. Praise God for who he is. Why? Because you're not alone. You're not. Even if you are alone away from people, you're not alone when you have God in your life. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. God, David shows us why God, why God is worthy of our worship. Number two, and we're going to look at it. Number two, we can taste and see that the Lord is good because he is faithful to deliver. Not only is he worthy of our worship, he is faithful to deliver. Look at verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. For the believer who cries out to God, God will deliver him from fears. When we're seeking deliverance, we tend to rely on our own strength, right? We tend to to rely on our own wisdom, our own intellect. And yet, when we've exhausted all of our efforts, when we feel like we're at our wits end and there's nothing else we can do, then we get on our knees and we seek God. I've told you all this. I was taught as a kid growing up, um, if something in your house is broke, you exhaust all your resources first before you go and hire somebody to come in and fix it. Nothing against handymen. I love them. I'm thankful for them, especially electricians, because that's one thing I do not touch. I don't touch wires. Uh, I did one time and I'll never do it again. But I like so like our washing machine, we have one of those LG front loaders and it's got the every time something goes wrong with it, a code comes up. It's like great YouTube. What does this code mean? You know, and it will show you how to fix it. That's what I will do. I will try to fix it myself before I reach out to other people. But you see, this is the complete opposite of what we should do. When we've encountered trials and suffering, it's not to exhaust all of our efforts, but to go ahead and go to the one who can give us the strength, the wisdom, the power, the perseverance, the endurance, all of that. We are to rely on his strength and his faithful promises because he is faithful to deliver. Verse five, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be Ashamed. Those who turn to God in times of trials are radiant with the truth of the promises that God has for them. You can tell that they've turned to God. You know, you know when they are relying on God. They have a different type of attitude in the midst of their suffering and trials. Their faces show the joy that only the peace of God can bring. Their turning to God is expressing their joy in God. Why? Because they are looking to Christ and not to themselves. They're looking to the one who died on the cross for their sin, who carried their burdens, who, who, according to Hebrews, is able to sympathize with us. They look to him. Used to when ships would go through horrible storms. I don't know if they still do it now, but lighthouses. Ships would look for the lighthouse to bring them to shore, bring them home. We must not be looking to ourselves when we are in the storms of affliction. In the storms of affliction, we tend to focus on the storm, but not the lighthouse. Instead, we must be looking to the one, to the light, who is ruling and reigning. He will hold us fast and he will bring us home. That's where we go. 
Verses 6 and 7 tells us that this poor man cried. David is calling himself a poor man. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. God is faithful to deliver even when we have nothing to bring but our very sin and shame. David calls himself a poor man. This is one who has nothing, no kingdom, no food, no money, only the sword of Goliath and the God who gave him the strength to kill him. This poor man cried out to God and God saved him. When we come to God, we do not recognize that we are helpless apart from him. But we should. Because we are helpless apart from him. Do we recognize that? Do we, do we recognize that we are sinful and undeserving of him even hearing us? Yet, he hears us still. Not only is God worthy of our worship, and not only is he faithful to deliver, but number three, he is sufficient to provide. I love this section of the text. Look at verse 8. I've got this underlined in my Bible. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever eaten something that was so good you can't forget it? Some of you are thinking back maybe to grandma's apple pie. My wife has a Hershey cake that is amazing. She will make it for me every birthday. She stopped the past couple of years because she thinks I need to stop eating cake. But she used to make it for me every birthday. It's good. But one time at one of the first churches I served at in, in Concord, I was their youth pastor for about a year and a half. I was part-time there. I was licensed there to preach. And they had a homecoming. And uh, me and my wife, we were there. And we were eating the food. And then there was a banana pudding laying there. And it had some brown stuff on top. I'm not talking about va- vanilla wafers. It was a brown powder. So we grabbed some of that banana pudding and we devoured it best banana pudding we ever had so we had to ask the person that made it what is in your banana pudding that makes it so special cinnamon have you ever thought about putting cinnamon on top of banana pudding try it it's amazing it changed my life i cannot eat banana pudding without cinnamon now If somebody brings me banana pudding, I have to ask for cinnamon. I'm not even joking. It is so good. David is saying here in verse 8, I'll taste and see that the Lord is good. He's saying, taste Jesus. He's not saying take a sampling, all right? When we do samples, like when you used to go to Sam's Club and all those places, I loved it. They'd have those sample booths. You know, you'd wear a bunch of layers of clothing, come get a sample, take a layer off so you look different, go back and get another sample. But the sampling was to try it, to see if you're going to like it, right? I don't, and I've had some bad samples. When I first started dating my wife, man, I used to go grocery shopping with her, with, with her parents. No judgment here, but her parents are vegan. They took me to a health food store and I tried tofu for the first time. And it tasted like bubble gum that had been rolled around on pavement, pulled off of a tire and then coated in barbecue sauce. It was, it was the nastiest thing I've had. Nothing against people that eat tofu. It's just, it was not for me. All right. It was not for me. It was gross. So he's not saying just try him. 
David saying, taste and see what I'm saying. He is going to change your life. He is talking about that he is sufficient and good and faithful. He's all you need. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I know it. See, we see that he is sufficient to provide for us. He's he's enough. And we see the greatest display of God's sufficiency in his provision on the cross of Christ. If God is willing to give us his son, himself, to die, to, to suffer, it wasn't a quick death. He suffered. This was even a death that Christ prayed for in, in, in the garden to pass. Take, take this cup from me, but let your will be done. Christ knew what was coming, but he still endured the cross. If God is willing, if God is willing to give us his son on the cross, then can we not trust him to provide for our daily needs, even for the strength to make it through even the hardest of trials? Can we not trust him for that? I have to be reminded of that. A pastor once said, you won't know that Jesus is all you need until he is all you have. When you're at rock bottom, when you've exhausted everything, when you're tired and you're weak and frail and you're hurting, and you don't even know how you can even go on anymore, when we realize that Jesus is all we need, we'll realize that he's all that we ever need. He is sufficient to provide. Past year's been hard. Past 18 months have been hard. It's been hard for me personally. I'm going to be a little transparent with you. It's going to be hard for me personally. Pastoring in a pandemic, that's been hard. My grandmother's going through Alzheimer's. That's been very hard because that's my mama. Loss of a friend. We all lost a friend this past year. Surprisingly. Shockingly, this past year has been tough. If, if any pastor needs training, let's put him through a pandemic. Let's help him grow and learn in it. They don't, they don't train you for this in seminary. There's nothing there. But they do help us to realize that our only strength comes from Christ's supply. No matter what trial we undergo, no matter what hardship or suffering we deal with, we trust in Christ who will supply. If God is willing to provide for our, our, our salvation and sending His Son to die for our sins, then cannot we trust Him in our trials to provide for our needs? Can we not? Not only is He sufficient to provide, number four, He is deserving of our obedience. Verse 11 says, Come on, children, listen to me. This is David now. Verses 1 through one through 10 uh, Spurgeon tells us that the, the first 10 verses are, are, are like a hymn and the last 12 are a sermon. All right. So, so David's now tell, teaching us the fear of the Lord. He says, come on, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? 
Keep your tongue from, from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Proverbs shows us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And we're called to teach it to our church, to our families, to our spouses, to our children, that we must fear God in, in a way in which we are obeying God. Now, we have this. We have to understand what that fear is. OK, I have a fear of snakes. I do. We had a snake crawl into the hallway back here. I, I stepped right over it going out the back door and he slithered in. Leto was half an hour down the street. Here goes my, my man card. All right, rip it up. I called Leto to come and get, get the snake out of the church. Um, cause I don't, I've seen, he handles snakes on his Instagram. It's weird, but I don't, I don't, I don't touch snakes. Snakes are just, bleh. I just don't, they're nasty. But I fear snakes, but I fear my dad in a different way. I, I, y'all know what I'm, what I'm talking about. You do something wrong, kids, your parents are going to discipline you. They should. My dad would discipline me. So I feared my dad in a different way. It wasn't that I was afraid of my dad, but I revered my dad. I, I feared him in the sense of I, I need to do what he says I should do because he loves me. He cares for me. He wants me to be good and grow and mature. He knows I'm better than that. You've, you've heard your parents. You're better than that. He knows that. I don't. But just like with God, we fear God in a way that is reverential. We revere God. He's deserving of our obedience. We don't obey to be saved from affliction, church. Can I say that real quick? We don't obey to be saved from affliction. We obey because we have been saved from affliction. We obey because we have been saved from our sin and shame through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so verse 12, David basically asks, who doesn't want a happy life? Who doesn't want a happy life? What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? He tells us in verse 8, blessed is the man, happy is the man. There is blessing in obeying God because of who he is. I've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And my four-year-old has learned the word why. Trevin, can you go do that? Why? Trevin, go sit down. Why? Boy. Because I said so. Why should we obey God? Because of who He is. Why should my son listen to me? Because I'm his father. Why should we listen to God? Because He is God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Not only is he deserving of our obedience. Fifthly, he is close like a friend. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Y'all know the hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Jesus is a friend that will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus is the friend who will never stab us in the back. Jesus is the friend who is always there and always available. Jesus is the friend who actually responds. You know that, that friend where you call or text and they never respond? Jesus re responds. I think we tend to forget sometimes that even though Jesus is Lord, He is also 
friend, a best friend, a close friend. Verse 18 shows us that God is near the brokenhearted. I'm thankful for friends. I've got friends here in church. I've got friends outside of church. I've got a group of pastor friends where we have a text thread where we're constantly praying for each other, where we're constantly lifting each other up. If I didn't have friends in ministry, you wouldn't have a pastor up here today. I'm going to be honest. If it wasn't for my friends in ministry, if it wasn't for my friends who encouraged me, I don't think I'd still be here. And it's not because of, it's just because of how hard ministry's been. But you've got those friends, right? Friends who are there for you in trouble, friends who are there who, who, who carry you, cry with you, laugh with you, who try to build you up. I, when we think of friends, I like to think of the friends who carried their crippled friend to Jesus. We need to be those friends who are willing to carry people to Christ. Whether it be for encouragement or salvation, whether it be for, 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 you know, healing, what, whatever that is, we need to be the friends that do that. There is no greater friend than Christ who is always hearing us and looking upon us. His eyes are on us that he knows what we need before we even come to him. Jesus shows us how much of a friend he is by dying for us. He is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crust in spirit. For those who have trusted in him for salvation, he sees us as righteous and we are friends of his. Tells us in verse 15, the eyes of, of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Not only is he close like a friend, but finally, number six. Number six, he is gracious to redeem. Gracious to redeem. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Both the righteous and the wicked have afflictions. Righteous have the outcome of no condemnation, while the wicked have the outcome of destruction. But Romans 8, 1 tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our righteousness is found in Jesus. Our no condemnation is found in Christ. I know this verse can be misleading. Verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Have you ever encountered affliction where you felt like you were not delivered from? Maybe you're going through it right now. Could be a cancer diagnosis. Could be loss of a loved one. Could be some type of suffering that you're having to undergo. And you're wondering, God, why have you not delivered me out of this? Many people who have had cancer have leaned on, leaned on God and were not healed. 
physically. The question we should ask is, is does, does God deliver the righteous from their afflictions? Does he deliver us from every affliction? I would say yes. And here's how I would answer that. For the person who has suffered with cancer and may have even lost their life from cancer, did God deliver that person from their affliction of cancer? Yes. Yes. I believe it was Tony Evans' wife who died a couple years back. I think it was one of his sons who gave a speech at her funeral. And he said that we prayed for healing for my mom. And we knew that God was either going to heal her or God was going to heal her. Either God was going to heal her on this earth or God was going to take her and heal her in heaven. Does God deliver every affliction from the righteous? Yes. Does he deliver the righteous from every affliction? Yes. It may not be how we want to be delivered. He does. We need to be reminded of that. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. I love that verse because it points to Christ on the cross. Christ was the one who had no bones broken, suffered in our place that we may be redeemed and receive no condemnation. And it is God's grace that delivers us and redeems us through all of our afflictions. It's God's grace that redeemed David. It redeemed David. His grace that gave him the strength to endure his afflictions. First Samuel 22. David flees to this cave. This is where he writes this psalm. And it scripture shows us that when they, the people of Israel, heard where he was, many came to him and gathered to him, and David became the commander over them. God delivered David out of that cave. He is gracious to redeem. But understand that the greatest, the greatest act of redemption we can receive is the grace found on the cross where God redeems us of our sin and shame. Church, taste and see that the Lord is good. We do not deserve him. We don't. He is worthy of our worship. He is faithful to deliver. He is sufficient to provide. He is deserving of our obedience. He is close like a friend and he is gracious to redeem. When times are hard and when times are good, God is faithful. He's faithful. He's sufficient. He's sovereign. There's a plan and a purpose. You think, you think 2020 and 2021 took God by surprise? No. No. He knew what was going to happen. And there's a plan and a purpose. Because all things work out to how God wants them to work out. So this morning, you may be discouraged. You may be hurting. Turn to the one who suffered in our place to be our refuge and our redeemer. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father God, you 
are good. You are gracious and faithful and close. You are sufficient and you are worthy. God, help us this morning. Help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in your providence, to trust in your promises, to trust in your presence. Help us to see your goodness today. We need it this morning. No matter what comes our way, you are good. Thank you for your word that provides that encouragement to us. Pray that you would use it. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.